Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's special prayer intention, pray for an end to the violence in our country that uh, heaven would send down uh, a peaceful kiss to our country that would, would quell all the violence and restore order. The meditation today comes from Elizabeth Kelly, and it's entitled, What is My Testimony? A woman comes up to me after a retreat I've just led. She has tears in her eyes and cannot quite find the words. She stammers a moment and then simply says, I cannot tell you how much I needed this. It was as if the whole thing was just for me. And of course, it was just for her. If I'm doing my job well, staying out of the way of the Holy Spirit and trying to respond as thoughtfully and authentically as I can to his call, then any retreat I give is just for those who attend the particulars of each talk and meditation falling on their heart in a very personal way. Because that's how the Holy Spirit can work through me and through you. Jesus says clearly in today's gospel that the works that the Father gave me to accomplish, these works that I perform testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. And so the Lord has given me works to accomplish too. How well do they testify to my relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? It is clear to those around me that my life is meant to draw others to the Lord, that they may know him personally and love him passionately. And what's more, that he knows them, loves them personally and passionately too. My Father in heaven, give me the grace today to be a credible witness to your love, that through my words, works, and prayers, you may be better known, loved, and adored. Today's suggested penance is to send a thank you note to someone to whom you owe a debt of gratitude. All right, we are halfway through our Maria-thon, and uh, we're doing quite well. Thank you for your kindness and generosity in both your prayerful support of this campaign, this radio station, and also uh, your financial support. Uh, people have been so generous, and we need you to continue to call in. The number is 888-408-0201. We have 1000 bucks this uh, 30 minutes to be matched. If you can match it, we pick up another grand. Uh, so let's get to those phones, 888-408-0201. Okay, so I prayed the St. Michael prayer today because I always pray that prayer when we have a guest who is a, a veteran of our armed service, a man who has served to protect this country and the people who live here. And uh, he has an amazing story. And so I bring on now uh, Brian Hoyland. Welcome, Brian. Hi, for having me. You're welcome. So just to, to get some background, um, you, as a, as a young man, you joined the forces? Yes, I did. Yep, I joined the Army right out of high school. Okay. And... Uh, you were living your life. Everything seemed to be going okay. Um, you are a Catholic. And then this 
this tremendous event happened in your life that really uh, changed everything, didn't it? Oh, it changed everything, Father. It was the most profound thing I could ever have imagined. Nothing in the military or anything else in between has ever come close to this. And so what what actually happened to you? Well, when I was in the service, I was given um, the anthrax vaccine while it was still experimental. And that caused me to develop autoimmune diseases unbeknownst to me. And over the years, it attacked my organs and really devastated my heart. So I started to go into end-stage heart failure. And I was in that for five months leading up to a cardiac arrest. And before that cardiac arrest, I was in the ER for seven hours fighting for my life. And, they, you know, the doctors and nurses were working on me hard, but they, they thought they could get up to the ICU, and they did. They eventually got me up there. And as soon as they transferred me from the ICU or the ER bed to the ICU bed, I went to a really, really bad state, I guess. They called in the crash team, and, and they uh, brought in, you know, that crash cart and all the, the gear to start life-saving procedures. And it was it was extremely chaotic. It was, it was you know, there was a lot of fear, of course. You know, being in the hospital, I didn't particularly like that anyway. But the ICU is in the ER are really terrifying places. And so they, there's about 20 people, I would assume, that came into my room. And, you know, some of them were doing different tasks, but you know, going in and out, and but they surrounded my bed. It was kind of like that scene from The Wizard of Oz where the, the flying monkeys come into that dark forest. Everything seemed to get real dark for me, and, you know, I was surrounded by these people that don't really talk to you. They, they're doing their own, their job, so they're talking to each other. But at the foot of my bed, it was the only place that they didn't have any medical personnel. I could see a crucifix on the wall, which really surprised me because nowadays you don't really see you know, anything religious on, on, in hospitals or anywhere for that matter. That, and, and yet it was a crucifix. And, you know, I just, I remember that I knew I was going to die. The doctors and nurses were, the nurse that was talking to me, she kept asking me all these questions that she already knew, like, you know, what is, how many family, kids you have? What do you do for profession? Things that were just trying to keep me present. So I, I knew it was bad. I could feel it. But I knew that at this point that they were really concerned. They went bringing the crash team otherwise. They called that code blue. <clears throat> so I I just started to ask Mary to help me pray. That was really the only thing that helped because the fear was really oppressive. But as soon as I asked her to help me pray, I was able to talk to God like I've never been able to talk to him before. It was so pure and so so, so easy, despite everything that was going on. They were shocking. I mean, you can imagine the, probably the most painful death I could have ever imagined. I, I never could have thought of anything like that. It was just terrifying and painful. And I just got the sense of peace when I started to pray to God that, you know, I, I gave myself to him. I had already been confessing every sin I could think of when I was in the ER. It was a long to be there, so I, I was able to go through quite a bit. But I just had this sense of peace, and so I, I just laid back and, and just closed my eyes, and they kept telling me to keep my eyes open, and they didn't want me to keep my eyes closed, but I, I just wanted to die. I, I was ready to go. I, I knew there was nothing I had. I mean, I was broken, and I'm not a person to give up on anything. So it was it was to the point where I just had nothing left physically, and 
I, I, I knew it. So I told God and said, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for you to take me. And as soon as I said that, I just felt the shake and a pop. And it was quite intense, but it was over in a second. And there was, it was completely silent. And I was in this dark place. And, but it was like the sense of love and joy, the peace was just rushing over me. And I was staring into this dark void and it was, I mean, it was in a very large expanse. And there was, it was like looking into outer space, you know, when you look through a telescope or something, except it didn't have any luminous beings, no moon, no stars, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. It was just dark. And I, I got this feeling like, and you know, when I could think, I, my brain had just expanded as well. I, I had so much intelligence. I didn't really understand it very well because, you know, it was just this rush of intelligence and completely different than what I had been experiencing prior to it. But I, I just said, I can't, this can't be it. And it wasn't only that, you know, this can't be it. It was this idea that I just was praying to Jesus and asking him and I could feel that he was with me. I didn't feel like I was abandoned. Even while I was dying, I I did feel like I had nothing there, but, but him. And so I, I felt this love so much more purely and it was similar to what I was feeling when I was when I was dying so I knew he was there I just I couldn't see him it was dark and as, as soon as I had said that I realized that I was able to see into this darkness I could see depth into it and so I, I knew I could see light somehow and that's when I realized I could see in 360 degrees so I saw this bright light behind me and it was it was so bright, Father. It was brighter than anything you could ever imagine. You know, we look at the sun and it hurts our eyes. This was way brighter than that, but it didn't didn't hurt at all. But what was really interesting is that I made a turn, a conscious turn towards the, the light. And remember, I, I could see in 360 degrees, so I didn't need to turn. Mm-hmm. But I think it was, you know, just my free will. I had to choose to, to turn towards the light. So I did I, I turned and I went to the right and looked at the light, but the whole time I could see everything around me. So I still was seeing the dark void behind me, but my focus now was on that light. And I said, I want to be with that light. And, and I should say, I didn't say anything out loud. It was just my thoughts and mm-hmm. everything that when I was there was actually imprinted. It wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't have any sound the whole time that I was there, but I, I, as soon as I had said that I was instantly with that light. I mean, it was so fast, but I, I didn't feel any kind of uh, wind on my face. I didn't feel any G-force or anything that would have given me the impression that I had moved as quickly as I did. And yet I could still remember every step I took. But it, it was, I mean, this was a long distance. I don't know how I could have gotten there so quickly, but I was there in an instant. And I'm standing before this light, and I could see in every direction and, you know, at the same time, which also was was really profound to be able to see in all four directions up and down both sides but i could also see every bit of my my distance going out and i was trying to search for the end of this light in all directions and i couldn't find the end it seemed as if it was going to keep going on and on and on and i knew it was god or at least some part of my i didn't see a, a physical form but I knew that that the love was emanating from this light. 
And so when I made that acknowledgement that this was somehow God, I, I heard him say, you can come in. So I went into the light as quickly as I could. I, I didn't waste any time. And as I was in this light, it was it was like being wrapped in a warm blanket, you know, in the hospital. I spent a lot of time in the hospital. They always asked me for a warm blanket. But it was it was like that, that comfort that it wasn't hot or cold. I didn't have any physical sensation that was depriving me of anything. It was more or less just that, that feeling that we get internally that, that just comfort. And I, I felt so much love and peace, but it was it was really strange, like an onslaught, like a rush of this love and peace just flowing into my soul. I, I describe kind of like a straw. You know, when you're drinking out of a cup and you have a straw, you're drinking the fluid from the bottom that goes up into the straw and then into your mouth. Never leaving the straw empty, but always replenishing it new. It was always new. And that's what this felt like, the, like almost like a river, you know, up in Minnesota. When the snow starts melting, our rivers get really full. And it's like this rush. The, the river's just going. And that's what it felt like. But it didn't didn't have any kind of pain. It just it, it expanded my soul. It made me feel so much more love. And all those broken places that I had, particularly the, the seven hours fighting for my life, you know, that was a happy memory to me. It, it, there was no pain to it anymore. There was nothing sad about it. It was as if this love was healing those places so deep inside of me that I almost think that I, I wouldn't have experienced as much love had I not had some of those experiences in life to be able to contrast the, the love that I was now experiencing. And so I had this this awareness that 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 God has, you know, all this this wisdom and knowledge that I'm experiencing, you know, I could I, I could have had memories of all of history and every idea that's ever been had, and you know, all these things happen at different stages in, in the world, and not everybody gets to experience them. But I realized that God has one thought, and His one thought is Jesus Christ, and everything contained in that that everything has come from that. And so I said I wanted to see Jesus, and that's when this light opened up. And it opened into this really large room. It was bigger than that dark void that I had seen. But it, it was definitely not all of heaven. And it seemed more like an entry room or a, like a, you know, like kind of like the mud room in your house. It, it seemed kind of <laughs> like, like that kind of a place. Okay. But it was, it was just like this, this place where you, you come in and there was a ton of beings they were all bright and shiny. They looked like human torsos, but with just brilliant light. And then there was one in the middle that was extremely bright, just the same level of, of magnificence as that was surrounding us. And it, it was so resplendent. And I knew immediately that this was Jesus. And yet, you know, he was he was farther away from me. Then you know, I I was people always say, "Well, did you hug Jesus?" And I'm like, "No, I didn't. I didn't hug him. I would have liked to have. You know, now as I sit here, I would definitely like to have. But it it was as if he was further away from me. Um, but I so I couldn't. I don't know that I couldn't have hugged him. I didn't ask for it. I didn't. I didn't have any control over what I was doing. I didn't. I had free will, but I didn't have control. Like to 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 have operation inside of this experience. Yeah, I've heard this before when people 
are in the presence of God, they're kind of, um, they're all, we're being led by what God is dictating in a good way. So there's, yeah. we don't have a lot of choice. We're just doing what we're supposed to be doing in his presence. I'm going to pause there for a second. We are uh, listening to Brian Hoyland on his experience of heaven. Not many people can say that, but so this is a great, a great witness. Uh, please give us a ring today to promote Radio Maria, 888-408-0201. We have a $1,000 goal for this half hour. Um, okay, so a few lessons. One, if you are work at a Catholic hospital, can you please meet with your administrator and put the crucifixes back on the walls in those rooms? Uh, that's that's part and parcel of our faith. It's the deepest mystery of our faith. Do not take them off the walls. Look how much of an impact it had on this one man that brought him into the throne of heaven. You had a direct download of wisdom and knowledge uh, that is not learned but uh, infused by God. So what's some of the things that you learned and what, did, what, what happened next? Well, what happened next is, you know, like I said, I, I you know, you actually, I want to touch base on what you had said about being being led. It was it was absolutely wonderful. I'm a person who does not like to be led in, in human life. I'm very independent. You know, I mean, went into the military right out of. I had to have my parents help me sign up because I was so young. So I mean, I've been very driven, and yet I'm. I was so in, so submissive to God, and and like you said, it was a good way. I, I kind of liken it to this movie Shawshank Redemption. I, I remember this scene where he was escaping from prison and he had to climb through a sewer pipe. And it was, you know, not something I would want to do, but it was 500 yards. I can't imagine how, how disgusting that would have been. I remember sitting there thinking that I would, I would have sat in that sewer pipe for all of eternity just to feel his love. That's how impressive it, it was to, to know that he loved me that much. I would have done anything. So while I was submissive, it was a submission that I willingly gave to him. And and it was the safest I've ever felt in my entire life. I felt so loved and comforted. And, you know, every, like I said, everything that would ha has happened to me that was bad or, or good was completely washed away. It was just this love. So then Jesus started to, to review. Well, actually, I said I wanted to see his face. I said that before I, I went to my life review. But... I was looking at Jesus and, you know, that they were like a physical, a physical, a human torso, but like shining bright lights. Mm -hmm. And so I said, to, I, said well, I want to see your face. And as his face started to come together, I, I could see all the other beings around me, but they kind of fell off into the periphery. And so I wasn't able to, to take that memory back. I'm, I'm not sure why. I, th I think it was simply because I was, whatever I focused on is what I was able to remember. And so I was focused on Jesus. I, I, I have heard other people say that they, you know, they talked to their grandma or they talked to so-and-so, but for me, it was, it was very uh, prevalent for me just to stare at Jesus. I couldn't, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. And so when his face came together, what was really interesting is I couldn't lay down the memory of what I was seeing of his face. I knew I was seeing his features of his face and that he was smiling at me and I could see the love in his eyes. But it was as if my memory couldn't lay down any image of him. Like, so I, 
I, I wasn't able to, like, now people ask me, do you remember, does this picture look like Jesus? And I'm like, well, yeah, they all kind of do, I guess. But that's what, as a human being, we all have our own preferences, I guess. But I don't have the memory from that experience. But I do remember seeing his face and it was full of love. And it was healing me. And that's when we started to go into my life review. And I want to point out, because sometimes people get really nervous about life reviews, but it, I didn't feel like he was judging me. I was judging myself. Mm-hmm. I was standing before him. All these things that I had done, I I was just appalled at myself for. I, 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 was, I hated the fact that I offended him and that I had to cause him to go through all, all of his passion for my sins and mm-hmm. the ones that I was you know like the big ones you would think that those were the would be the worst things but I was generally genuinely sorry in life for those things it was a lot of the things that I was really upset about there were things that I didn't do when I should have mm-hmm. or things that I I justified i had a lot of justifications for why i did something you know somebody did this horrible thing to me so i can do you know a less horrible thing back but but kind of you know stick up for myself and Mm -hmm. but it would have been better had i done something more peaceful and loving to to help that person and i chose not to because you know i'm i was a selfish human being so those things i i could see how they hurt jesus i could see how the person was hurt by it and that hurt jesus so I, I was seeing all these things, and, and while I was going through it, I should have probably tell you this, too. It was really weird with time. It seemed like everything was happening all at once, and yet I tell the story in a linear fashion because it also seemed like there was this this linear follow-through on, on the, the experience, but it was it was as if everything was still happening from beginning to end and all at the same time. So I, it was really strange that way. And, you know, I probably don't do justice to how, how I explain it or or translate what I saw. But, you know, how do you how do well, you exactly? Nobody could. Yeah. Um, and, and it's yeah, if he wanted you to remember his face, he would have let you. So yeah. there was a reason behind that, too. All right. So you're watching your whole life, the good, the bad and all of it. And what happens after that? Well, then after that, I had this this last memory that I came to was uh, an experience. I, I went to my great grandmother's funeral as a very young child, and I saw everybody, you know, that I love crying about my great grandma, who I also loved. But I, I remember the, how sad they were, and so I I went home that night, and we had to drive from Iowa to Minnesota. That I lived in Minnesota at the time, and I, I remember it was late at night. I I get into the to my room. My parents told me to go to bed, and they were going to bed, but I stayed up and prayed. And I was praying for a long life because I didn't want everybody to suffer and be sad about me dying. And it was just a you know little kid, pure prayer. But I felt this feeling I never had experienced before that my prayer was answered. I just felt peace and comfort. that, And I was able to go to bed without any, any more concern or care about it. I didn't think about it ever again. But I, I remember asking Jesus, you know, well, what about that prayer? I thought you answered it. And, you know, I was only 42 at the time, so I, I don't consider that a very long life. <laughs> so, you know, he, he said, yes, I, I remember that prayer, too, and I did answer it, and you can still have it. Then he said, but why would you want to go back? And this was really important to me because it wasn't simply, what, you know, why would you want to go back and, you know, live live your life or whatever, 
or not stay here. And, you know, he didn't ex- say that I was going straight to heaven either. He never told me any of that. So I, I assume I would, you know, now I would be going to purgatory. Um, you know, he, but he didn't tell me what, what the results would be, but I, I, I didn't care about any of that. I, I wanted to be with him, but I, I realized that, you know, well, it was, it was him saying to me, what would be your purpose for going back? And so I started to think about all the reasons why I would. And, you know, like the good, the good you could do. Yeah. The good I could do. And, and nothing really, really mattered until I realized that I just wanted to go back and share the love that he was giving to me. I wanted to share his love with others to let people know how much he does love them because sometimes we feel so broken and disconnected from God and, and, and that's not his, on his end, it's on ours. It's something in us that, that has gotten disconnected from him. So when I realized that I wanted to go back and share his love, like when I said my family, he's like, you know, basically don't, don't kid yourself. I'm, I love your family more than you do. And that really struck me because I realized he does, I could feel how much he loved me. And I, I saw that, that he loved everyone. So I knew he loved my family more and he was going to take care of them. So I, I, it really was an ego check, but I, I knew that they would be okay. And it was the fact that I wanted to share that love that I was getting. I, I just, yeah. I, so he said, yes, that's it. And he said that I could go back, but he told me three things that I needed to do. And these three things were definitely personal for me, but I think they apply to everybody. I don't think that that he wanted me to keep this to myself. I think this is part of sure. the, the message he wants me to take, but he told me that I needed to pray more. Okay. And it wasn't just simply saying prayers or, you know, or, you know, petitioning him for, for things that, that wasn't, that wasn't what the, he was saying. He wanted me to live my life as a, as an act of prayer. Mm-hmm. He's giving him glory in everything that I do. Whether yeah, it, that's what St. Paul talks about. Yes, that and that's and that is rings so true to me because when he was explaining it, it, it was like even the little things I do in life, if I do it for him, then then it's a, it's a way of worshiping him and, and yeah. So it was beautiful. I, I I really just it woke me up to a lot of things that I was doing wrong with prayer, and this was this was such a nice nice experience. And what what were two and three? Two was to suffer joyfully, ah. and. That was that was you know basically he was showing me his his cross and how he had to endure and I realized that I needed to to be able to to take that on and just accept whatever comes my way good or bad because he it's if he's allowing it it's going to be for my eternal glory if I handle it the right way and that was that was something that I thought was kind of hard when I was suffering you know from my heart issues but it it has become something I actually I have revel in it. I joy okay. way now because amazing. Of, and yeah, the third one to share his love. And okay, that one was you know to to just to, to love everybody the way that he does to see them the way that he sees them, and so that's that's the three things. So and, he sent you back to be his witness. Yes, and today you have done that to a lot of people. 
but we have just scratched the surface on this. There is so much more I want to talk to you about. We are just about out of time, though. So if you'd like, I'd like to bring you back where we can go deeper into this. I would love that. This is fascinating stuff. And it's so interesting because there's been other people I've talked to. They say pretty much the same things that you said. This love is something that we really don't experience in this life when you get up there. All right, Brian, you're amazing. God bless you. Thank you for being on. We're going to go back to you again. We'll set up some times so we can talk and get you back on. Right. Uh, we're in our Maria thought. Look at the amazing witnesses that have come to us through this radio station. Please call 888-408-0201 and help continue the ministry of uh, Shepherding Souls through Radio Maria USA. This is Father Dan signing off. <laughs>